Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Reverend Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries. This is today's episode of Bible Bites, episode 365. And we are reading Revelation chapter 20 through 22, concluding our annual, uh, our yearly reading for the scriptures, reading through the whole of the scriptures. And I just want to say thank you to those of you that have stayed with these broadcasts. I pray that this has been a blessing to you and that you have gained um, truth and gained encouragement along the way as the Lord has maybe blessed you in some special way through all of these broadcasts. And I look forward to doing more broadcasts. They may not be um, next year. We may not go through the exact same scriptures the way we did this year, but I will be planning on doing many more um, of similar topics and, and discussions in the future as we look at continuing in this walk with our Lord Jesus and going through his word and growing as his disciple. Revelation chapter 20 through 22. All right. We saw in Revelation 19 the victorious return of King Jesus on the white horse. We saw him defeat all of his enemies that had plotted and stood against him. We saw him grab the Antichrist and the false prophet and cast them alive into the lake of fire and that, that burns with uh, brimstone or sulfur as well. And so now we're going to continue with what happens next. Okay, so there's one more major player yet to be dealt with, and that is the devil himself, the serpent of old. He, he will be grabbed uh, by, by an angel. He will be, um, have a chain put around him, and he is going to be thrown into the abyss. Now, this is a bottomless pit that even scared the demons. If you read in Luke chapter 8, verse 31, when Jesus cleansed a demoniac and he cast out some demons from this demoniac, the demons begged Jesus not to throw them into this pit. So if even demons were scared to death of this pit, it's awful. It's an awful place. Well, that is where the devil is going to be bound. He will be shut up in a prison there for the next 1,000 years. Now, there is in chapter 20, uh, we get introduced to this 1,000-year reign of Jesus Christ as king from Jerusalem. There are disagreements about that today, and some people want to say that, that that's not true or that it's not going to be a full literal thousand years or whatever. Um, but we need to understand that when the plain sense of the scriptures makes sense, we don't need to seek anything else because then we'll end up with a bunch of nonsense. So it's very important to take the scripture for what it says if it said a thousand-year reign, I still believe it will be 1,000-year reign that Jesus will rule and reign from Jerusalem in the, uh, in the earth. He is coming back. So verse 4 through 6 establishes the fact that we have this messianic kingdom or millennial kingdom. 
these verses give us some of the basic details here, but the biggest bulk of this time period is found in other places in the scriptures. There are many other places, especially in the Old Testament prophets, that tell us details about this time period. And so what I've done is I've done a study called Thy Kingdom Come. And it's several parts, but what I did was I really tried to focus primarily on this coming kingdom, what it's going to be like, what it's going to mean for us, who's going to be there, um, what's going to happen, how does Jesus, what does it mean, how is he going to ascend into, into Jerusalem to take his throne. All of those things I've tried to cover and bring in all of those scriptures, or many of those scriptures there, I'm sure, are more than what I've used. But I have brought in many scriptures in that study. So I would encourage you to look at that study. But let's just glance, glance at a few of the details that are given here. It speaks about thrones being set up. Jesus obviously has his throne. But the scriptures also teach that we will reign with him. You can find more information about these thrones and what their purpose is in Psalm 122, verse 5, Daniel 7, 9, 7, verse 9, Matthew 19, 28, 2 Timothy 2, 12, and Revelation 5, 10. I'll speak a little bit about this. There's more information in other places. We see here that martyrs that are included in this number of people that will reign with Jesus and maybe even be the ones sitting on this throne, some of those sitting on this thrones. The um, dead, the rest of the dead, will not live. and They won't be resurrected until after the end of the thousand years. The first resurrection, though, happens prior to the thousand-year period. Now, what this contrasts is this is contrasting with the second death. You need to understand what the second death is. The second death means eternal and permanent damnation to hell. Those that participate in that and those that have to be sentenced to that, it's a permanent eternal judgment against them. It was never God's intent. The scriptures teach us that that place was made for, for the devil and his angels and only for them. It was never the will of God that any person go there. Not one. As a matter of fact, Hebrews 9.27 says that God it's been appointed to man once to die. Only once. And then we're to face the judgment. It was never God's intent that we would have to take part in this second death, but that's what will happen. All those whose names are not found written in the Lamb's Book of Life will be uh, sentenced in that way. This thousand-year reign, as we mentioned earlier, there are many details found in the Old Testament prophets, such as Isaiah. Isaiah writes a lot about it. Jeremiah. Ezekiel writes a good bit about this. Daniel. Um, even some of the minor prophets. The Psalms, there are places in the Psalms that speak of this time period. Moses spoke about it in the Torah. Job spoke about it. And Hannah gave us a little bit of information also from her words in um, 1 Samuel. 
So there's lots of other places. And as I mentioned, I did do that as a study in Thy Kingdom Come. So I encourage you to look that up on the Facebook page or on my podcast channels. In verses 7 through 9 here in Revelation chapter 20, it tells us about the end of this 1,000-year reign. And Satan will be loosed for a while. Now, you might ask, well, why is that? Because every person has to believe in Jesus the exact same way. And one thing we don't understand is that during this thousand-year reign, there will be lots and lots of brand-new babies and all of that. I mean, life is going to be going on. And so there will be new people. And, and every person must come to, come to God through Jesus, period, in their own personal choice, of their own personal choice of their will. And so this thousand-year period proves to us that, that, um, that sin, we have a sinful nature innate inside of us. It's inherent. You can see that even with little children and, and toddlers, how they're, they're selfish or whatever. It's because of, uh, that's just ingrained in us. It's in that sinful nature. And so we see that even operating here. That's one of the reasons that Jesus will rule with a rod of iron. It's going to be somewhat of an enforced peace on certain individuals. So the heart of some people will still be against the Lord. And so the devil will be allowed to deceive those at the end for one final attempt against Jesus to fight against him in a final battle. And part of that's described a little bit here. But at the end of that battle, as a matter of fact, what happens is they come against the city of Jerusalem and the Lord and, and all of his servants, and God sends fire down from heaven and destroys them. He takes the victory over that very quickly, and he secures their, um, their demise, and they will be... Um, all burned. The, the whole earth, everything will be burned at that time because we've got a brand new heaven and a new earth coming. But they are destroyed by this fire. And the devil then is cast into the lake of fire, which is his permanent home. He will join the beast and the false prophet that have been there the whole thousand year time period. And it will be a place of eternal torment for them. Verse 11 through 15 speaks about the great white throne judgment. This is the place when all of the other dead will be resurrected and will stand before God, meeting their maker and having to answer for their decision. Who did they say Jesus was? And these are the ones that have not believed in him. Their names are not found written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And yet these may very well be some of those where it says in Philippians chapter 2 that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And on this day, they will be judged for their evil deeds and they will then be sentenced to their eternal damnation in the lake of fire. We don't like to see these things. We don't like to talk about them. But the truth is the truth, and we must preach the word of God in its entirety. As a matter of fact, we're going to see a serious warning um, that su uh, substantiates that. Now, when um, the 
this also, we need to stress here, the Lamb's Book of Life is extremely important. And so what is that? How does somebody's name get in there? What does that mean and why is it important? All of that I've covered in Thy Kingdom Come in uh, Lesson 6, I believe it is. And so it, it's very important that we understand that. So I would direct you there. We also see the end of death and the grave here as well in triumphal victory. There will never be any more death or grave ever again. It won't have to exist. In chapter 21, we begin to see this brand new heaven and new earth. Now, by the time we get to chapter 21, the earth and the heavens have been dissolved by the fire. Peter prophesied about that in Second Peter, and there are many other places that prophesy about that in the Old Testament as well. The old heaven and the old earth are burned up and gone. The new is coming. We're given some descriptions about it here. I encourage you to read that. Only God and us will be there forever. Hallelujah. This is also known to be the state of eternity or our eternal state. It was a place of great, indescribable beauty, majesty, and glory forever. And notice this, that there will just be eternal relationship and fellowship with God face to face with the Lord forever. There will be no more tears, no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, and no more pain. Imagine that. How much have we suffered in this life from tears, from death, from sorrow, from crying, and from pain? And yet there, there won't be any of that any longer, period, at all, none. I want to read verses 5 and 6 of chapter 21. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. This is the new heaven and the new earth that's coming to pass here. Finally, God has made, is making all things brand new. In verse 8, this is very important for us to understand because this is the truth. This is part of the truth. And this is why it's so important for people to understand today that they can turn and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And this is part of why we have the impetus to get that message out every chance we can because it's important. The eternal soul and destiny of people are at stake here. But this is the truth and we must face the truth. And so I pray that if this, if you are in this category, you won't be after this message. You can believe in Jesus right now. You can repent of your sins right now. And you can call upon the name of the Lord and he will save you if you call out to him in sincere, honest faith. It says this in verse 8 of chapter 21. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Even if that's you right this moment, that does not have to be you now. You can call out to Jesus right now, and he can make you brand new 
and he can give you. Write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life, give you a brand new life and an eternal home with him. And you don't have to find yourself judged and sentenced to this second death. Oh, may you do that if that speaks to you in Jesus' name. In verse 9 through 21, he describes for us the New Jerusalem city, gives us a lot of details about it, its foundations, its gemstones, its measurements. All of this is, is in this chapter. And notice this, that in verse 27, I want to read verse 27 of chapter 21, but there shall by no means enter it, talking about this glorious heavenly state, eternal state, anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Here again, the Lamb's book of life is the second most important book ever created. I would say the very first is the word of God, but the second one right up there with it is the Lamb's book of life. Make certain your name is in the Lamb's book of life. And if you want to know more about that, listen to my Thy Kingdom Come series, lesson number six, and learn about this very important book. Chapter 22, first few verses tell us more about this eternal state, giving us details about this river of life. This is that same river of life that Ezekiel described in Ezekiel 47. It will occur on earth during the millennial reign, but this also is part of heaven. Remember, these are the types and shadows on, on earth of the heavenly things. It is unceasingly fruitful. There's no more curse on the earth or on any vegetation or any of that. Notice that he speaks here about how we have daily, constant, face-to-face -face relationship with God and that we are going to be reigning with him. We're not going to be sitting around bored on harps, you know, playing harps on clouds all day. No, we're going to be busy. We're going to be having fellowship with Jesus, worshiping the Lord and doing parts and serving him and working in his um, eternal kingdom. Praise be to God. I want to read verse six to you of chapter 22. We're starting to draw to a close. Then he said to me, these words are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Here again, this reminds us of chapter 1, when we learn that once these things begin, they're going to happen and they're going to come very quickly. And so the Lord is telling us that he wants us to understand what's about to happen. He says in verse 7, Behold, I, this is Jesus speaking, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the word of the prophecy of this book. We're going to see him repeat that, <coughs> that he is coming quickly. Even the next to the last verse of this um, book. Surely I am coming quickly. Jesus wants us to know he's about to return and we need to be ready. The bride needs to be ready to see him. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. In verse uh, 10, I want to re read you this, verse 10. And he said to me, Do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. Now, John is given the words of this book and the, and the revelation that he has seen, and he's told, You write it and don't seal it up. Now, that contrasts with Daniel, who was also given prophetic revelations about this same time period, 
and the things that would happen in the end. And at the time Daniel was given them, he was told to seal them up and that they would be revealed in these times to come, in these latter days, which we are now understanding is our time period. So now, by the time John gets here, it's time to start bringing this revelation to light, no more being sealed up and hidden uh, for a different time. Then in verse 12, Jesus is speaking, and behold, I am coming quickly. Here's the third time we'll see this in this chapter. Hallelujah. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Praise be to God. He speaks to us here also about the tree of life. Do you remember back, way back in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, God made this tree of life. And he designed so that we could partake of it freely. And then man sinned in chapter 3. And so the entrance to the tree of life was guarded. We were cast out. Mankind was cast out from the garden and God positioned angels to guard that tree of life. And then Jesus comes, pays the price, so that now through him, all of us whose names are, in he are found in that Lamb's Book of Life and we're in heaven now, we can freely take part of the tree of life. God was preserving it the whole time. Hallelujah, God was preserving it so that he could give it to us freely now. Praise be to God. I want to read verse 17 because this was one of the greatest things that, that I personally remember that really ministered to me when I was teaching the Thy Kingdom Come series, and it's this. Verse 17, And the Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit, and the bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, Come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. But I noticed that the Spirit and the bride say, come. And I wondered, I thought, well, why, why is the Holy Spirit longing for Jesus to come? Why would the Holy Spirit say, come? Why would the Holy Spirit be desiring the Lord's return? And I believe the Spirit of the Lord helped me to understand this in this way. Jesus taught us that the Holy Spirit, his purpose is to glorify the Son the Holy Spirit is longing for Jesus to come because it will be the time when the Lord Jesus Christ really comes in all of his glory and is worshipped and recognized as such. The Bible speaks about that time when the glory of the Lord will fill the entire earth, will cover the entire earth. And even into this eternal state, we will be there. It says the glory of God is going to be what's there and what's our light and all of that. So the Holy Spirit is longing for this day just like we are because the Holy Spirit wants to see Jesus in all of his glory receive his due. And so what the Spirit of the Lord showed me was that when we, when it says the Spirit and the bride, it's an agreement we need to be longing for Jesus to come back for the same reason, in agreement with the reason that the Holy Spirit has. And that is for the Lord Jesus Christ to finally receive the glory and honor and majesty and recognition that he and he alone is due. 
Praise be to God. In Jesus' name, the Spirit and the bride say, Come. We put our agreement to that, and we say, Yes, even so. Come, Lord Jesus. Praise be to God. I pray that this year has been a blessing to you like it has to me to go through the scriptures and to see all of these different things that God has spoken to us and shown us through this year. And may you join me again for future um, messages as, as the Lord is allowing me to continue different messages, different topics, and so forth. And so I pray that you can join me on this journey because we're going to keep going through God's word. We're going to keep studying and learning about him and seeing what he will speak to us in, in new ways. So I pray your blessing. I pray blessings upon you in Jesus name. Amen.